Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy, trophy fish than ever before and if you're interested in building a new pond or lake give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you if you're anywhere in the southeast schedule an obligation free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com and brought to you by l Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoon boats, to bigger bay boats, offshore boats, and hybrids. l Marine LLC prides itself on its customer service and knows how important it is to be taken care of and to have someone you can trust. They are locally owned and regularly support the community. l Marine provides superior customer service and has an entire team that consists of professional sales members, financial experts, service technicians, and a knowledgeable parts and accessory staff to support you. Go visit their friendly, reliable, and experienced staff now locally owned six miles north of I-10 on 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brian Sand. Welcome to the show. Hey, what a... What a great, beautiful week we've had in, in Alabama this past weekend's gorgeous. Summertime's getting here really quick. The water's heating up, and uh, there are a lot of people out there around the state fishing right now. And, man, I'm just looking forward to, to hearing from some of our guys and seeing, you know, what the fish are doing and, and what lakes, you know, are, and kind of what, what they're using to, to find the fish and not only find them but then to catch them. So this is going to be an interesting show. But the main thing that I'm excited about on today's show is, as a lot of our listeners know, MLF was up in Gunnerful this year, had a big event up there. And, man, we are so fortunate today to have the winner, Nick LeBron, on our show from Bossier City, Louisiana. Nick, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great to be on here with y'all. Man, we're so glad you take the time, and, and and like I said, greatly appreciate you calling in. I would imagine your phone has been ringing off the hook since this past weekend, so we're honored that you took the time to join us on the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report today. Absolutely. It's been a busy week, and I definitely had to keep my phone on charge because winds are special. They don't come along every once in a while, but uh, when you do, there's a lot of work to be done afterwards, and it's all good. I hear you, man. Well, hey, before we get into Gunnersville and the weekend, give us some background on you and, and how long have you been on the circuit and kind of what was your path to get to where you are today? Well, uh, I'm 37 years old. I'm a Christian. I'm a husband, a father, and also a bass angler. I love the order you just put that in, by the way. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, no problem. That's the most important order. Uh, but I started fishing tournament. Uh, well, I fished my first tournament when I was 15. And it was my dad's company tournament for the railroad. And this was a pretty big tournament. Uh, there must have at least been five boats in it, okay? So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we fished that tournament, and we won it. And ever since then, I was hooked. And all I wanted to do was fish for a living, some way, shape, or form the rest of my life. And uh, 
2018, I won the BFL All-American, and that was my ticket uh, to the big leagues. You know, back then it was FLW Tour, and uh, 2019 was my rookie year, and I've been fishing, uh, major league fishing now, and it's been a, a great ride. Uh, you know, a lot of ups and downs, but, but man, I've really enjoyed it, and I don't take it for granted one single minute. Man, I, 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 I saw some, and, and, and like I said before, man, I, I love the order you put that in as, as far as, you know, a man of faith and, and, and a husband and a father. And and uh, I think a lot of, I know I appreciate that, a lot of our listeners will as well. But you grew up in a, in a y'all, you grew up in a pretty good fishery over there on the Red River. Y'all, y'all have some big tournaments in that area. And, and man, you don't have to go too far from there to get to Sam Rayburn and, and some of these other famous right. lakes. So you grew up in a great area. Yeah. You know, I, I pick with people over in your part of the country and say, you know, if I didn't live in Northwest Louisiana, I'd live there in Northern Alabama because, uh, you know, we've got some great fisheries over here too, you know, a lot more shallow water stuff, but, you know, Sam Rayburn's probably my home lake. Uh, that's where I've probably fished the most tournaments and just kind of learned a lot. But, you know, I grew up fishing Caddo Lake when I was a teenager and Caddo Lake has just as many 10 pounders as anywhere. So really blessed to have kind of grown up in this area and got exposed to a lot of that. Yeah. And, and I love Rayburn too, man. I, I just got off the phone with one of my best friends played, we played baseball together. I was at, at Auburn and he ended up going and, and, and playing and he's from Lake Charles area and they got a place on, on Rayburn. So I love Rayburn love when I get a chance to come over there and fish, it's just an amazing fishery, but you're right. You know, when you, when you look at Miss, the state of Alabama, we are so blessed uh, to not just have one or two good fisheries, but man, we got water everywhere. I don't care where you live in Alabama, you ain't got to hardly drive 30, 45 minutes and you can be at a heck of a fishing place. And we're, we're very fortunate. Oh, yeah, there. you're absolutely right. And so let's move, let's fast forward. So you, you know, you, you make the tour and, and you're doing this for a living and Gunnersville is this past weekend. So you know, let's talk about the uh, kind of the pre you know, pre-fishing, you know, kind of what was your game plan coming in? Well, with only two days of practice, you know, I, I was in my mind. It's like, man, I, I probably need to spend most of it shallow and try to figure out where the, the late spawners are, where the fry garters are, where there might be a shad spawn happening and now uh, where there might be some bluegill fish. And, uh, and that's what I did. You know, I focused on that, stayed shallow for a day and a half, found some good stuff. You know, I, I got, had a lot of bite, caught a five pounder, shook a lot more fish off. But on Tuesday afternoon, they started pulling about 35,000 of current. And at that point, I decided to just graph the last two hours of practice and, I just got on the main river ledge around Seabold and, and just started taking off, you know, just, uh, I, I run, uh, Lawrence live 12s and I just started graphing using side imaging and did that for about an hour and came across the winning fish, just the main river ledge, uh, with them running that much current, every fish in the area was pulled up on top of the ledge and they were just very visible and, yeah, on my social media, there's actually a screenshot that shows that what that looked like that day. You know, I didn't know at the time it was a winning fish. All I knew that it was a lot of fish and it could be a really, really good spot. And it worked out. I mean, 18 out of 20 fish that I weighed in in four days came from that one area. So, oh, wow. Um, now, I, I'd love to tell you that. You know, I studied the map and I knew that the way it was set up, they'd be right there. But uh, guys, it was just a God thing. It was just totally random. I don't know why I went to that stretch and I was just basically throwing darts at a map basically. And I landed on that, that little stretch and found those fish and ended up winning the tournament right there. Well, and, and I, and I, and I know that, I know that you're, you know, Maybe, and I'm not going to say downplaying that, but I, I would imagine, and I bet there's a little more to it than you just randomly, you probably rode over some spots for a reason. And and that's one of the things I want to, and I'm looking at this image right here and we're going to share it on our social media as well. And it's, um, 
I mean, you can see the fish stacked up there, but you know, one of the questions that I have as a fisherman and, and one of the things that you guys are so dead gum good at is, is finding fish and, 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 and locating fish. And, and so are you, are you just, you're taking off, you're looking for fish. Are you looking, I mean, you're riding across ledges. What's the rhyme or reason for you riding the area that you were that you were riding well if i had to say one thing you know i wanted to pick an area a general area to look now this was several miles i wanted to pick an area that was out in front of a huge spawning area and you know i, I know just from reading stories and watching tournaments in the past that seabold is a huge spawning mecca okay and so i felt like well if there's some fish to be found Seabold would be a good area to look on the main river ledge because I'd already had some shallow bites that were kind of in offshore grass, still shallow, you know, fishing five foot little humps and stuff in between the bank and the main river. So I wanted to kind of tie in something where I was already fishing. And um, I thought, well, I know that there's a ton of fish in this area already. So let me see if there's some out here you know, at the last hoorah, at, at the last stopping point, which would be the main river ledge. So that's where I spent my time idling that afternoon, and it just happened to work out. Man, that's so cool. Well, you know, when you're when you're idling, you're, you're looking in those specific areas. Are you looking more for, for, are you looking specifically for fish, or are you looking for more of structure, hoping you'll see fish? Now, we look for fish. I mean, if you have your electronics set up correctly and you spend enough time behind the screen, um, you you want the fish. You know, I mean, there may be an area where it's like, okay, that's a row of stumps and a road bed. And, uh, man, that looks really good. Maybe I'll check that in a few days. But, but man, when it's tournament week, you're, you're looking, looking for, for fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. You're looking for fish. Well, I, I would you know, venture to say, just knowing Gunnersville, I, I may be wrong, but I would imagine most people probably stayed in the grass fishing the tournament, didn't they? Yeah, I think like, you know, on day one, I had like 16 pounds and was in like, you know, 298 plays. And I think a lot of those, just all those solid bags, those 14 to 17 pound bags, a lot of those came shallow. And I, I just think that, a lot of the fish on the bank got weighed in on day one because there was a ton of them. Uh, we were coming up on a full moon and there were yep. still fish spawning. There were still fresh fish coming in to spawn. There was fry. I mean, it was just kind of whatever you wanted to do, right? And kind of like my original game plan, when you don't have but two days, it's hard to land on the juice offshore with just two days of fishing because if you spend a ton of time out there and you don't find anything, well, then you're way behind the curve on the mm. shallow. So um, I think a lot of guys stayed on the bank just because of that limited practice period. But if you look at the top 10, most of those guys were offshore. So, wow. Yeah. That's that's cool how, how you strategize that. And there's a lot, and there is a lot of strategy go into it. Because like you said, you, you've got such limited time. And when they ring the bell and it's, it's tournament time, you you don't have much time to waste at that point. you you got to fish. So day one at the end of day one standings you know kind of man let's let's walk through the the couple days there day one where were you where'd you finish up so day one i had 16 15 it was in 44th place and you know i thought i'd be in like 20th you know i thought i was kind of proud of that 16 pounds <laughs> but then but then i get to the weigh-in i'm like oh uh yeah you know day one eelgrass was all over my spot my offshore spot and i just couldn't fish it that morning and i left it went and scraped up you know 13 pounds or so shallow came back out there offshore it had cleared out and ended up catching a few good ones late and had what i had now on day two when i started there at daylight there was no eelgrass anywhere and the results showed i think i had 21 something on day two and caught a lot of fish and, and just was able to be efficient and sit there all day and, and fish and not be picking grass off your bait. And uh, so the eelgrass was a big factor 
you yeah. know, and that was something new to me. I didn't really know that was a deal on that lake, but I found out real quick, you know, and so that's kind of how days one and two went down. So end of day two, where you said? I think I'm in sixth or seventh place. So I'd made it into the top 10 and that was my goal because I knew that, you know, when Saturday came and there's less current, it could be tougher and it's going to be harder to move from like, you know, 40th all the way up to 10th. And I really wanted to get as close to that top 10 as I could after day two. That way, Saturday, could just you could just kind of cruise right in there. You wouldn't, right. have to have a, you wouldn't have to have a mega bag on Saturday, which was going to be the toughest day, in my opinion, just from a standpoint of boat traffic and, and less current, you know. So to be in the top 10 going into Saturday was a big deal. And um, I just wanted to be able to maintain that and not feel like I had to go out and make some big giant move, of, you know, 22, 24 pounds, you know, so that was pretty cool the way that worked out. Heck yeah. And then the final day is clean slate, right? Yeah. If you can make it to the top 10 on the final day, the weights are zeroed and it's anybody's ball game. It's basically a, a 10 boat fruit jar for a hundred thousand dollars. That's awesome. So final day, you made the top 10, you go out and you know, you're going to fish this spot, obviously, cause it's been, it's been good to you. Walk me through that final day, man, and what the fish, you know, where the fish were, they were obviously back on that spot again, but kind of, you know, the emotions and kind of how the day unfolded. So after I weighed in on day three, I called my wife, Jolene, and said, hey, I'm going to be in the top 10, and I'd really like for you to come over if you can, you know, and that's about a seven hour and 40 minute drive from Bozier City. You know, I knew that I was going to have a chance at winning. I knew that the winning fish are right there. I told my cameraman that on, on day three. I said, man, the, the fish to win are right here. It's just a matter of outsmarting them and getting them into my boat. So I'd call Jolene and ask her to come over. And, you know, I'm going out on Saturday or going out on Sunday championship day. And I get to my spot. Nobody's on it. No locals, no other competitors. And it's just there for me. But the problem was, as I pulled up in the eelgrass, is as worse as I've ever seen it, the floating eelgrass. And mm. I, I stayed there for probably two hours fighting it and picking grass off my bait. If I had saved all the grass I picked off in that first two hours, <laughs> I probably could have made some kind of <laughs> pillow, pillowcase full of eelgrass or right, a souvenir or something. Yeah. But man, I started to get spun out and I knew that I wasn't being effective and and I kind of felt like the fish weren't biting because just by the way they looked on Lawrence Active Target, I just wasn't seeing any reaction at all. And when they're when they're not biting, you gotta be efficient every single cast and you gotta be there grinding. And when you're only making like one efficient cast out of ten because the eelgrass is messing you up, and I was really starting to get spun out. And so I, I abandoned it. I pulled the, the ghost trolling motor up. And I went and ran some of that shallow stuff from day one. You know, I wasn't seeing any more spawners. I wasn't seeing any fry garters. And I just, I stayed shallow with a V&M chopstick, just trying to get a bonus fish. And I caught three or four fish, you know, about the size of your cell phone. And <laughs> it just wasn't happening. I mean, it was just, I told my cameraman, I said, man, I'm not going to win like this. And so it's, 9:45, you know, I, I'm up by honeycomb, and right, I was actually like by the dam, and I pulled the trailer up and said, "Man, I'm going back to my spot and just look at it, see if it's gotten any better." I pull up to my spot out in front of Seabold at 9:55, and the eelgrass is just magically gone. It's, huh. like, it's like it's like it was never there. And I pull up and I tell my cameraman, "I said, man, a five pounder would change everything for me right now." I troll up to my little lineup. I fire that swim bait a mile out there, and I make about four handle turns, and one slack lines me, and it's a seven-pounder. Oh, my gosh. And and that was the turning point of the whole entire day. I got them fired up. I ended up catching probably like 21 pounds in a matter of 40 minutes, and oh. it, it was amazing. It was a, a magical hour, and I'll never forget it the rest of my life. How cool, man. I mean, when you caught that seven pounder 
and well, first of all, when you get there and you see the eelgrass, all of a sudden your adrenaline is going up. I mean, you're like, okay, this could really, this could be on. But then when you get that, when you get your hands on that first seven pounder, man, I can't even imagine the feeling. I mean, you just, cause you know, at that point, you might not know you're about to win it, but you know, you fixed to be in the hunt. Well, it's a winning moment. So anytime that you have a major win, you're going to have a winning moment. Okay. I can look back at the All-American and when a five-pounder come off in the net, like that was a winning moment. Like I'd felt like I'd won. But here's the deal. Sometimes you have those winning moments and don't win, and that's okay. But every major win I've had in my career, there's been a winning moment to go along with it, okay? And that seven-pounder biting, and that was – I felt like I'd won the tournament right there, and it, it was amazing. And then, you know, when I made – you know, six or seven more casts and I already caught three or four more fish. I, I told my cameraman, I said, it's happening right now. It's happening. Right now. Yeah. Yep. That's so cool, man. It fires me up hearing it. So you get to, you get back to the way in, you're feeling pretty dang confident. Uh, your wife has made it down from, she made the seven hour trip over. So she gets to experience that with you. Yeah. And at nine fifty five, I had zero fish. I'm thinking, man, I asked her to drive eight hours. And <laughs> I'm about to zero. <laughs> so, You're never going to let her come to another event. <laughs> yeah, bad luck. So for, uh, for me to end up catching 22 pounds and for her to be there and share that moment, you know, and, and just kind of share what God has done in our life. And, it was amazing, man. I'll never forget it. Hey, man, buddy, that's a great story, and and I'm so glad you were able to, to 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 make it happen, and glad your wife was able to make the trip over. I know that was a a special moment for you guys. Really, really cool, man. But all right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services. And now they have a pro level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working line of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture plays to our community, and they help our local farmers build successful businesses. They want to see you succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. You know, you mentioned your electronics a few times during this, during the last several minutes and that we've been on here. And if you, if you don't mind, you know, educate me and, and, and some of these, some of our listeners of how you're using Lowrance, uh to locate the fish first of all and then what you're doing different when it's getting ready to fish for the fish that you found sure so you know i run four lorance live 12s on my boat two at the console two up front and when i'm scanning those ledges or scanning at at sam raven or toledo wherever you are you know basically a, a good general rule for side imaging is whatever depth of water you in multiply that by three and that that should kind of be at least a minimum of your your range from left to right so for example for example if i'm in 20 foot of water 20 times three is 60 so i know i can at least see 60 foot out to the left and 60 foot out to the right but with with the new active imaging three in one transducer i found that you can kind of add 10 or 20 foot to that pretty easily so With my setup with a 12-inch unit, I'm usually scanning at 80-foot left and 80-foot right. And that allows me to still see the fish, and they still have a really predominant shadow that goes along with each fish. Because if a fish is big enough and and that's the fish that you want for a tournament, he's going to have a shadow that goes ceiling. Like if you ever find yourself like squinting and like, oh, is that a fish? Uh, it, It may be. That's not what you're looking for. And if y'all will look at that screenshot of that winning school, mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious. There, there's no doubt 
like, okay, those are all fish and those are all good ones. Good fish. And so, yep. And so uh, I run 80 foot left, 80 foot right. Color palette is just personal preference. I like the orange palette because it seems like the fish show up white and the shadow is, is solid black. It helps you see like harder spots on the bottom too with that color palette. But whatever you do, pick a palette and stick with it. Like don't use blue today and don't use orange next week and then go back to gray. Like pick one and stick with it. And uh, that's going to help you be more consistent and learn what you're looking at more. You can't replace time behind the screen. You know, if you want to learn, don't bring a rod with you and just get out there and graph, you know, mm. and just kind of at least have them in the rod box and maybe lock it up as a mental thing. <laughs> but right. just get out there and get behind the wheel and say, you know, I'm going to graph for four hours and just see what I can find. But time behind the screen is irreplaceable, you know. And uh, the reason that I that I really prefer Lowrance is because when I do find them, it's very clear, it's very obvious. And then from that point, it's so easy to mark a waypoint and name that waypoint, whatever, put notes in there. It's just, it's it's real quick and easy. And, and I've been told that some other competitors out there, like it's like jumping through hoops trying to just get that info in there like you want it. So to me, Lowrance is a key player no matter where I go. And uh, Lowrance side imaging helped me find these fish at Gunnersville. And then Lowrance active target, our forward-facing sonar, helped me catch them. And by that is is what I mean is I have to get set up on the spot and then shine that forward-facing and say, okay, well, there they are. That's the fish that I just saw on side imaging. And now I know that they're right there toward that uh campground or toward that buoy or whatever it is and i've got that set up in a way that i can see my bait out there at 100 foot and i know that my bait just fell down right past them and i'm fixing to wind that bait right through them that's awesome how you work that all together like that and yep it's a system it is yeah and with that active target i mean you can you're watching how the fish are reacting does it change do you sometimes say okay well i'm gonna throw a crankbait and then you see the fish reaction and they're like okay they didn't react so i'm gonna change and put something else on i mean do you get that kind of feedback absolutely yeah with so with my swim bait a lot of times when they were just being finicky and didn't want to really eat you know if i would throw the big swim bait in there and i'd have three or four of them break out of the school and follow it and they just follow it and follow it and follow it but never would eat it then I would lay that down and pick up my spinning rod with a smaller swim bait on there with eight pound fluorocarbon as a leader. And I would make that same cast and reel that bait as slow as I could through there and catch a four pound largemouth or a three pound spotted bass. Nice. So with, without that active target, I would never even know that fish were following my bait and not eating it. Okay? Right. So yeah, it, it's a great tool. And and listen, guys, I get people ask me all the time about, what do you think about all this board facing? And I mean, it's changing how we fish, and what do you think about it? It's a great tool. you got to know when to turn it off, but it's the way that things are going. And how I feel about it doesn't change anything. i got to adapt to it and learn it, or I'm going to get left behind. And if there was a, a professional trail that didn't use any electronics, and you, don't, you had to have braid on every rod, I'd probably be the first one to sign up. But that's not reality. <laughs> so I, yeah. I've got to go ahead and, and learn it and be using it, or I'm going to get pummeled by these guys. You know, things come along in different generations that are game-changing products, with, you know, whether it's a, you know, lures or whatever it may be, or fishing line. I mean, there's always things in every generation that has changed stuff. I don't know that anything has played a bigger part or than forward-facing sonar and the way that it's changed the sport. But I love the way you just said that, Nick. Hey, it is what it is. Love it or hate it. If you're going to fish. It's here to stay. It's yeah. here to stay, and you better get good at it if you're going to compete. So absolutely, I'm looking at the picture on, on your social media right now. And, you know, I, I can see the white uh, of the fish in the black area, right? On, on the side imaging. Yes. And then if you look to the left, 
of that, there's all the blacks, all the shadows, the darker spots. Right. Both both fish. All all that's fish, right? Yeah. So on the left side, all the little black dots are the actual shadows that go along to each fish. So every black dot you see is a good sized bass. Okay. Okay. Now, if you look like in the center, you'll see a lot of fish like up off the bottom and then you'll see kind of a faint echo on the other side of like a mirror image almost yeah and that's just telling you that those fish are directly under you okay but when i passed through there most of those fish were right under me and to the left of me and if you see out to the right that's like timber way down on off the ledge that's like looking down at 40 foot of water okay, okay. and on the left side that brighter that brighter streak, that's just let me know that that's shallower and that's a harder bottom and it's all rock and shell. And that's why those fish were there. That's so cool, man. I got to get better at this myself for sure. What a great tool that is. Now, when you're in, you talked about how you, a good rule of thumb is to multiply the depth time three and that's how wide you want to go. Uh, you can run on, you know, with certain equipment, you can go a little further, but when you're in, Let's say you're shallow fishing. Let's say you're in five foot of water. Are you setting it for 15? Well, in the old days, yes. And and probably if you're new to it, you know, you probably need to kind of start out not biting off more than you can chew, sort of speak. Okay. But if you have the total scan, the uh, the active, not the total scan, the uh, active image in three and one, Man, there's just, there's there's not going to be much blackout. I mean, if you wanted to, to zoom out to 60 or 80 foot shallow, you could. It, it's not going to black out on you. It's not going to fade out. But you just got to realize that when you're that shallow, things are going to be much, much smaller and compressed. So you just got to get used to it and wrap your head around what you're looking at. You know, maybe uh, if you can see visually see a stump that's sticking out of the water, you know, get, and it's in five foot of water, get 60 or 80 foot away from it and just side image it and see what it shows up like. And if you can't see it at all, maybe you need to adjust your settings. Maybe you need to adjust your range. But if you see it and it throws a shadow just as plain as day and there's, there's no question that that's that same stump, then you're good to go. Man, love it. That's some good, that's some good info right there, Nick. Hey, I, I know we spent a lot of time talking about the story talking about electronics we got to know what the winning bait was before we get you off of here yeah man uh you know like i say 18 out of 20 fish came from right there off that school and i did most of my damage with a producer swim bait it's a four and a half inch hollow body uh the color was blue crack and i had that on a three quarter ounce swim bait head it's just a homemade head and i was throwing that on 18 pound sunline sc sniper um, seven six heavy all-purpose Fitzgerald rod with a Fitzgerald uh, bait cast reel. Now I did have another little lineup in that area where I was taking a big straight tail worm, um, a V&M J Mag ten and a half inch. Uh, that worm, several different colors I used throughout the week, but any kind of red, you know, red bug, any kind of like. Uh, blue flex type color. I would drag that on a, a V&M mega shaky head that was three quarter ounce in black and um, same line, 18 pound Sunline SC Sniper. And then uh, on that, I was on a 7.3 heavy Stunner Series by Fitzgerald with a Stunner Series reel. And uh, that worm and that swim bait, I mean, that was most of the fish. I did have a few key bonus fish that were mainly big spots that I weighed in on a small Kitek uh, swim bait with a Hayabusa FPJ 960 head. It's a little 3 16th ounce ball head. And um, that's when like times are really tough and they really wouldn't buy anything else. I could kind of throw that Kitek on on an active target and just kind of beg one to bite, so right. to speak. But, but yeah, man, the... That producer, that four and a half inch, was really the the key player for me. Do you fish that? Do you? Do, how fast are you fishing that? I mean, is it is it just a steady retrieve? You getting it down to a right depth and then retrieving it, or are you a stop start jerk type motion, or are you just swimming? It? No, it's steady retrieve. So my boat was set down at about thirty foot, and I'm throwing to probably twelve to fourteen. 
throw it out there, let it go straight to the bottom and pick it up and reel it fairly slow where I'm envisioning the bait is probably a, maybe a foot or two off the bottom. Okay. And, and the way that you test that is that every once in a while you just stop reeling. It should only take a second or two for your bait to hit the bottom again. And so like if you were to, to be doing that and it, you stop reeling and your bait fell for like five seconds, you either need to slow it way down or you need to go to a heavier swim bait head to kind of keep that bait down. Closer to the bottom. Cause it, yeah, because yeah, it seems like those big largemouth, they were on the bottom and they wanted a bait that was just kind of right above their head, if not eye level with them. Dude, ma'am, what a great segment, and and that's some uh, that's some education right there, not just on the electronics, but on the swim bait and how you're fishing it. Yeah, and I'll just add this, too. When I was fishing shallow in practice, like on these little shallow grass humps for fish that, that hadn't made it out there yet, I was taking that same swim bait and just rigging on a belly-weighted style swim bait hook. Uh, it's a Hayabusa 958 7-alt with a quarter-ounce belly weight, and I was just throwing that around the eelgrass that was, you know, on these shallow humps. And I was catching good ones like that, too, in practice. So uh, I just took that same swim bait and just set it up for fishing out deep once I found that school. But, you know, that producer swim bait, deep or shallow, I mean, it catches them on those TVA lakes, no doubt. Man. Hey, I got a, a quick question, and this has nothing to do with your tournament. This is, this is advice for, for me personally, Nick. I was fishing a frog two days ago on Lay Lake off the Coosa chain. And, um, man, I bet I missed six, seven, eight fish in a row before I start, finally started catching some and making myself wait after they hit it. When you're fishing a frog, and the reason I'm asking is not just for my personal, I had somebody call me today, same issue. Man, I, I love fishing a frog because they hit it, but I just can't catch them. What's the key yep. to, to catching the dang fish on the frog? Man, well, first of all, if anybody ever says their their hookup ratio and their landing ratio is 100% on a frog, like they're just full of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean it doesn't matter if you're John Cox or Alex Davis or whoever. Frog fishing's tough, and and you're just not going to catch every one of them. Now, some keys that will help, like put the odds in your favor. Um, at least 50 pound braid. I like 50 because of castability and it's still powerful enough to really jack them and, and, and really get a good hook set. Uh, the right setup, I use a seven foot extra heavy, uh, bait cast rod. It's, it's an all purpose. I fit that seven foot rod allows me to still kind of make some, some, uh, skip cast and, and, uh, I can work the frog easily, but when it comes time for a blow up, it's got the power and the backbone to try to really get in there and get them with the hook set. And then always a high speed reel. Sometimes when you hook a frog, when you hook the fish on a frog, he's going to be zooming at the boat and you really need to catch up to him. So a high speed reel will help you do that. But as far as like, you've heard a lot of old timers say, Oh, well just count to three right. after they hit count to three and set the hook, man, I've tried all that. And it seems like every frog bite is different. Like sometimes you want to set the hook as soon as they get it. Sometimes you want to count to three, man, it, it just comes with situational awareness and you just got to have that experience and that time to say, all right, well, this is how they're biting it. And this is how I need to set the hook or I need to change for today. And man, sometimes losing a few fish, that's what it may take to key in on that. But Man, if I had a, a, a secret formula, I'd sure give it to you. But, <laughs> man, I'm, I'm just it's like tough. you, dude. I'm trying to figure it out also. I hear you. I hear you. You're probably way ahead of me on it, Nick. But that's good good stuff, man. Hey, thank you so much. I know that you you got a lot on your plate right now, and, and I know your time is very valuable. So I thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us on the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report today. Man, great story. I can't tell you how awesome it's been having you on and, and how proud I am for you and your family. And, um, man, good luck to you in the future, brother. Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Well, good luck to you. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Thanks, man. All right, Nick. Take care, buddy. 
All right, guys, let's take just a few more minutes and hear from some more sponsors. Fishing Chaos invites all high school and college and social fishing teams to create a free team or club on the Fishing Chaos platform. Clubs can hold tournaments within the high school team or invite rival clubs and teams to compete in CPR, which is catch photo release events, as well as live weigh-in events, as Fishing Chaos supports most any tournament format. The addition of the new Fishing Chaos Club Management Platform allows teams and clubs to easily communicate with their members about upcoming events. It automates the tracking of Angler of the Year or Team of the Year series standings and collects all angler results. If you're interested in setting up a free team or club or in hosting a tournament on the Fishing Chaos app, please contact fishingchaos.com or call Jesse Wilson at 256-508-1853. And brought to you by Killer Doc. I hadn't even realized how bad it was. I was cleaning fish on rotten wood, and after cleaning just a few fish, I was filthy, and I had a sunburn. I tried wearing a hat, but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Doc brings the upgrade that not only will keep me cool and clean, it will make being on my dock enjoyable again. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning station known to mankind. Welcome back to the show. What a great first segment, man. Um, what an what awesome guest. I mean, and, and how appreciative we are that he took the time to, I mean, you know his phone's ringing off the hook right now and interviews and and everybody else with, with the win he had last weekend. So for him to take the time to call into the show, man, means a lot. And uh, you could just tell he's a very genuine, awesome guy, and I am tickled to death for him. But, hey, let's get to segment two, man. Our next segment I'm excited about as well. Man, never had him on the show before. I hope he's going to be a, uh, a consistent guy on here in the future. But Garrett Wade, what's going on, Garrett? Oh, not much. Just out here getting a little work done, looking at looking at a few jobs to quote. I hear you, man. I hear you. What you work? What What do you quote, man? What do you work? What's your What's your job besides fishing? I do uh, telecommunications construction, I guess what you would call it. But I do construction on uh, the groundwork on cell towers. So nice. we cover. We're all over from Destin to Shreveport. Very cool, man. Big territory. You get to cover a lot of ground. That's a, that's a long ways. Yeah, uh, burning that diesel like it's not made of money. Heck, man, uh, it's dang sure made of it right now. That's for sure. But it is. Hey, so you're a, you're a mobile native, mobile guy, right? Yeah. And uh, yep. and and so tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, with the with the fishing, I know you're a, you're a Hobie guy, and uh, fish the trail with them. Yeah. So you know, I did a lot of fishing. You know, back in my early twenties, and um, had a boat, fish some of the you know, the Alabama state federation stuff and local clubs and was starting to, you know, do a little, little good stuff with that. And early on starting a business, young family had to kind of take a break and took off for about 10 or 12 years. And last year I decided to get a kayak and kind of get back into fishing. I didn't even know at the time that they had kayak bass fishing tournaments. Uh, honestly, until March of last year, I found out that they were having a, uh, was a, the Bass Nation was doing a an open series nationwide tournament at Lake Eufaula last May. And uh, I was like, well, heck, I need to go check that out. I love Lake Eufaula. Yeah. And uh, I went and ended up coming. First tournament I'd ever done out of the kayak came in fourth place. Nice. And uh, I've been kind of hooked ever since. So I dabbled in it some last year. And then this year, I, uh, I've taken it a little more serious and I'm fishing a little more tournaments, you know, traveling. Made it all the way down to Kissimmee in January and all the way up South Carolina and as far over as uh, Fish Toledo Bend this year. Very cool, man. Hey, there's one good thing about the kayaks. You win a couple tournaments, come in the top of a few tournaments. I mean, you you pay for your whole setup. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can sink, you know, I've got probably 12 grand in my kayak. So, I mean, you can you can sink a good bit in it, but, I mean, it's not a an $80,000 boat. So. A big difference. Yeah, big difference. Well, man, and look, I just got my, that's one reason I'm excited to have you on. I just, I just got my first kayak or fishing kayak about a week, 
week and a half, two weeks ago. And, uh, and I got a Hobie, Hobie Mirage and, um, got my garment on there. And, you know, I got a seven inch garment on mine side imaging down imaging, but, uh, man, I, I was telling somebody earlier today, how much I've enjoyed the last few times I've been able to go out and just the solitude and, and, and quiet and peaceful and, and being able to get to these places that nobody else can get to. And that's, you know, one of the things I'm learning early on as a kayak fisherman, you know, just starting out is bypass some of these places. Everybody are, you know, even though there, there may be fish there, these they're, they're highly pressured areas. We don't have to go there. Just, just, just gas on it and get on back there to where nobody else goes and get in these places. Because when I got back there, that's where I, I really started catching fish where these, where nobody else can fish for. Oh yeah. Those, those fish way back in the woods. I mean, they're not near as educated. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Well, I know that, uh, I know that in you follow you, you fished there not too long ago and, um, Saw some of your stuff on Facebook about that, man. Kind of tell us about your UFOLA trip, what the fish were doing, how you were catching them and all that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, when, when this one came up on the, uh, the Hobie schedule, I was probably most excited about this tournament. Uh, like I said, I'd fished, uh, almost identical time of year last year and done really well fishing the shad spawn in the grass. And my intentions were, I mean, it's, it was, a uh, late april beginning of may and i'm like fish should be on shad spawns <laughs> what's weird is so I, I found shad spawns pretty much everywhere that there was um there was the bank grass it's like the, the willow weed type grass but in practice i wasn't catching any fish in those areas it was some of the normal areas like there was there was shad there they're flickering but there wasn't any bass busting uh which was it was really odd um i'd talked to several of the, the other pros you know at the meeting and they'd kind of run across the same thing I was like, well, bag on. I don't, I don't know if my shad spawn bite's going to work as well as I had hoped. And um, so basically what I ended up having to do was find areas that would hold bass regardless of whether there was going to be shad in the area, you know, adjacent to spawning flats, deep water close type thing, and then find that area that also had a shad spawn going on. And that's kind of what I ended up keying on. First morning of the tournament, I caught, I had so I caught six fish that day, and all six of them came within the first 36 minutes, and then it was done. Wow. Um, it was the only thing I caught after that was, you know, a little short bass and a couple of catfish. And I tell you, the the catfish at Lake Eufaula love a white jackhammer. Really? Yeah. That's that, funny. I tell you, you, you catch a 10-pound catfish while you're slow rolling a jackhammer, and, and you thought you've got something. Yeah, you do. All, the only thing you've done is lost seventeen dollars on a jackhammer. On one jackhammer. Hey, I was. I called. I called one of our one of our callers, uh, one of our contributors. I was sitting up at the uh, tackle store the other day, and I was looking at the chatterbaits, and I was looking at the price on that jackhammer, and then I was looking at the other chatterbaits. You know, go from price of. $16 down to like $5. And I'm like, man, I call, yeah. I call one of our, perf- one of our callers and I'm like, uh, Hey man, is it really worth it? And they're like, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> you yeah, gotta have, you gotta have the jackhammer. I'm like, okay. I think it's the way that blade is actually attached to the head. It doesn't have a swivel or a split ring. It's, it's, dr- it's right on that eye and it, the way it, you know, scratches on and chatters on that head. And they, they just, as soon as you start reeling, it's like they immediately want to start, you know, chattering as opposed to a lot of them, you kind of got to pop them or kind of work them right, you know, to get it to, to finally start. They're definitely worth the extra money. That's what, that's what everybody said. I, I got, I got some, I got some, it hurt me, yeah, but I got, I mean, it hurts. It hurts. I had a buddy that he come up there one time and he's like, what do I need? I'm like, you need to get a couple of jack cameras. He's like, I don't think it's like $16 a piece. I'm like. You need them. I mean, it is what it is. And I think he lost two of them on boat dock pilings and he was pretty, pretty frustrated. I'm like, well, I, mean, I can't help if you're losing them. Uh, you know, the good thing about these kayaks is we can usually go get the stuff, but we, we can, can get it pretty tight to it anyway. Yeah. We can, we can get pretty deep in that, under that boat dock to get it if we need to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, when you're like, when you're at, you fall and, and you're, you know, it's, it's different 
do you fish do you find yourself being a guy that fished out of a bass boat for years and now you're 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 fishing the kayak and obviously do you fish totally different areas or do you fish some of the same water or kind of how do you how do you structure that it kind of depends um i like to find somewhere that's you know way off the beaten path but that doesn't always work there's a lot of times that i'm fishing the same areas that you know bass boats are fishing especially on you know ledge lakes or or like this that you follow you know i'm fishing you know shad spawns that are out on the main lake there was several you know bass boats kind of in the same general area that i was in but yeah i mean i i fish i think i fish probably still fairly similar besides the fact that i do a lot of sitting uh, right i never sat in a bass boat obviously you stood up the whole time right yeah and, and you do a lot of sitting in these but yeah, and you know, I, th- I was thinking about you know, you you take a lake like you fall, and and you know, Logan Martin's a lot of the same way. I mean, they're they're ledge lakes. I mean, not that you fall. I mean, they got great fishing up shallow, especially certain times of the year. But it is a well known ledge lake too. I mean, these guys, you can catch fish all year long in twenty foot of water on these ledges that you fall. And some of the you know the top guys, that's that's their that's where they prefer to fish. Oh yeah. Have. But man, I, I don't see where see where you can't get out there in a kayak and, and fish those ledges just like you could in a boat. Oh, I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been I've been to Chickamauga out in the middle of the lake on a Saturday, and there's you know everybody's out joyriding all over the place, and it's just like I hope I don't get run over my little twelve foot plastic right, boat. But right. I'm, I'm out there with them. Out there with them, man. You got to be where to fish, all right. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they're they're very stable. I mean, I. I the wind picked up while we were at Ufala and probably had, you know, I'd say two to three foot rollers going across the lake. And I mean, there was a bullet run up the lake and he was getting soaked, taking a pretty rough ride. And I'm just cruising along. I crossed the whole lake twice. And uh, you would think that they're not made for that, but they really, they, they handle very well. Well, my, my buddy, Brandon Watson, you know, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you did. He, uh, man, with the pictures he was sending me from the Gulf of Mexico this weekend with him three miles out in the Gulf by itself yeah i saw that big kingfish he caught it was right a nice one. yeah and uh, a buddy of mine went out last week and caught two cobia um, oh wow fishing out of his kayak that's just cool man and that tells you how how sturdy and stable these things are because you know if if you didn't have confidence in the hobie and how stable it was you you wouldn't take it two three miles out in the ocean right yeah no doubt hey man he i mean he's caught you know six foot black tip out there uh before and and uh, so you can catch you can go out there and catch some big fish for sure and these these things are amazingly stable but uh you know what are, what are the fish doing right now man that you're seeing it's the time of year where the water's warming up you know if you're fishing you follow right now or or any of the coosa chain I mean, you know I'm still I, still a good bit of fish in the grass and up shallow but kind of kind of this time of year, what, what 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 would you think going out? Yeah, I would definitely, if I was still fishing grass, I'd probably be fishing areas that were at least adjacent to some deeper water. You know, I wouldn't be in the back of back of a whole lot of areas. I think a lot of the fish, I mean, we've. it seems like it's gotten hot pretty quick this year. So I, I really think, you know, I mean, it, it seems like it took forever to get a good spawn going, but now it's, it's hot as Hades. It's like 96 degrees today. Right. Um you know i think that they're they're moving offshore pretty quick so i would probably you know hit some grass early and then i'll most likely spend the rest of my day you know fishing some of the ledges if not you know main lake ledges at least kind of those transition areas getting out to the ledges right yeah getting out there right kind of electronics you got on your on your kayak so i've got two of the lawrence elites the nine inch screens Mm -hmm. and then so they've got you know side scan down scan all of that and then i've also got the active target on there awesome um which i'm not great at active target yet um, i'm getting better at it but um it i tell you that i like to use it in the perspective mode or scout mode just so that you can you can kind of see where the drop-offs and little humps and stuff are out in front of you so you know as you're, you're easing up to something and you're casting to it, it i mean you can see it on your on your chart that there's supposed to be a drop off or there's supposed to be, you know, that should be the edge of the ledge. 
but being able to look out there, you know, 30, 40, 50 foot in front of you and kind of see in the side of the wall, even if you're not targeting individual fish, uh, helps a lot. You're just not wasting as much time just casting going, I think it's supposed to be over there. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Hey, how do you, when you're fishing grass, when you're in the back of these pockets, do you even fool with your electronics back there? Not really. I like to have mine on really just so I can kind of see, you know, the depth. I know a lot of people that, especially the kayak fish, they're not real big into electronics when they're in shallow water. They're like, well, my electronics is I just take my rod and stick it in water. Right. You know, and I know it's three foot deep, but it's, it's probably a comfort thing more for me than I can just glance down there and see, you know, oh, I've just ended up in a foot and a half of water instead of right. three foot of water. I need to, to move to another area or kind of skip through this pretty quick if I don't think the fish are that shallow. But yeah, that, that's really what I use mine for more than anything. You, you'll find out, especially when the fish are shallow, that they'll orient. It may only be maximum of, of three foot, but you'll start noticing that they're going to be more fish in either like the three foot range or like maybe a foot and a half. So just having the electronics on and being able to see, you know, as you're cruising around kind of what the water depth is seems to help me a, a good bit. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Good. So what's some of your, what's some of your go-to lures this time of the year? I've always, you know, we're starting to get into the time where I'm going to start throwing a frog a lot especially when we start getting those mayfly hatches and whatnot. I like to throw a frog under the trees when we get into that. Texas rigged trick worm for me is probably the go-to as far as like if I just need to get bit. Right. Um, drop off to a little bit deeper water or something, find a find an edge of a creek channel or on a ledge, and that seems to be my, my go-to, um, you know, when I'm not throwing. There's a lot of times where I'll pick up the jack camera and just sling it all day until I run into something that, sure you know just happen to be hungry or or startled you know yeah uh, when this fishing gets tough a lot of times when they don't want to bite i'll find that i'll you know you can get a reaction, a reaction bait yep and uh a lot of those guys would be out and i don't like flipping so you know there'll be a lot of guys out flipping and you know what's cool about our the way our um i guess our concept works or whatever with our tournaments is you know we have a it's basically a live leaderboard and you can, it's kind of like a lot like the major league fishing with the, you know, the live leaderboard type stuff. And you can tell whether the fishing's on fire and you're doing something wrong or you just hit a lull or, you know, something like right. that based on if, if people are submitting fish or and stuff. But yeah, when it gets tight like that, a lot of times I'll just pick up a jackhammer and just start covering water. It has done really well for me. You know, you mentioned flipping and, and, and this is something that I was thinking about when I was on, on the water couple of days ago is I, I was, you know, heavily, a lot of grass mats lot in the area I was in and, and you, you know, you look up, up the creek a little bit, up the slough a little bit and, and, and all these guys in these big bass boats, they're all flipping. Right. Um, in the kayak, not that you can't flip in a kayak, but you're not standing up. I mean, you can stand up. I stood up in mine. I, I was fishing a frog. So I'm standing up in mine just to, to get my line out of the, out of the grass a little bit, uh, and felt totally secure standing up, but I don't. Oh yeah. Are you, do you flip much out of a kayak? I don't personally, I've just never been a whole, been a lot of flipping guy. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of people that do. Uh, and I mean, standing up in one all day is, is not an issue. Uh, it just depends on how you like to fish. I like personally to cover water. That's kind of my yeah power fish. Depending on which trail we're fishing, we use trolling motors. So I've got a, a stern mount trolling motor. So, you know, I've got foot nice. control steering on it. I can put it on, you know, a low speed. So you can stand up and with my feet. you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but with the way mine's set up, you know, I can steer it with my feet if I'm sitting. So I'm completely hands-free. A lot of guys don't have the bow mounts. And that's, I would say a bow mount is probably better for standing because you control with a key fob. I just don't like fooling around you know, having something in my hand that I got to adjust and, and fool around with. Right. I'd rather sit down, give the throttle about 15, 20%, and then I can go down the bank and steer with my feet, and I never have to touch anything except for my, my fishing pole. No, that's nice. And I'm just going, you know, going through. I could cover a lot of water, you know, that way. Well, that was my main issue with what I was thinking with flipping. I'm like, you know, I could pull up to a, I could pull up to a little pocket in these weeds, and I could flip. I could stand up and flip. 
But if I want to move, I got to sit right. back down, back it up, turn it, go down, then stand up again, then sit down again. And I was like, God, it's don't, it sounds like, feels like it may be more trouble than it's worth if you have to sit down to control your boat every time. But having that bow right. mounted, uh, that sounded like a, that sounded like it would answer that question. Yeah. And a lot of guys, you know, will, if they're standing up flipping or doing any, any of that kind of stuff, they'll have a, you know, long, they'll use their paddle to kind of move around and they'll just kind of set their paddle down. They can stay standing the whole time. You know, they'll give it a yeah. couple strokes, ease along, and then they'll set the paddle down. And they'll keep flipping, you know, if, sure. if, you know, cause like the Hobie events are human power only. So we're right. only allowed to pedal and paddle on a, in a, in a Hobie event. We can pre-fish with our motor. And if we're fishing a KDF or a Bass Nation tournament, we can use our motor. So, you know, depending on what type of tournament you're fishing, a lot of times will kind of dictate how you control your boat and, and the way you might fish a certain event. Right. Very cool, man. Very cool. Good stuff. Well, hey, I'm enjoying mine so far. I know that. And uh, looking forward to getting back out there. Where's the next tournament? Where are you going next? Uh, we'll be uh, June the 4th and 5th will be a, a Hobie tournament at Chickamauga. Chickamauga. That'll be my next one. I'll be heading up there in about a week. Very cool, man. Well, best of luck to you on that for sure. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, it. Hey, if somebody was going to, one thing we like to do on here, Garrett, is we always, we, we try to give a tip of the day to our fishermen. So if somebody was going out this weekend, uh, they were listening to the podcast and kind of wanted to know, hey, I'm going to Ufala. What do I need to focus on? I mean, what would your tip of the day be for somebody going up to Ufala or coming down to the Mobile Bay area this weekend and fishing? Don't sleep in would be my first thought because um, like i said when i was up there you know week before last you know i caught both days i caught all my fish at the butt crack of dawn i mean it was it was early and then it was dead you know once that sun came up um you know those fish are were gorging so much first thing in the mornings that you know they got their fill and they just weren't interested the rest of the day so definitely get up early and see if you can't get on a good early morning bite and then after that you know i'd start looking for some of that deep water uh, those ledges or, or some of those points going out to, to some of that deeper water. Heck yeah. I like it, man. Great tip, Garrett. Hey, buddy, we appreciate you being on, man. Uh, look forward to having you back on here more. Good luck at uh, Chickamauga. Go up there and bring it home. Bring it back to Alabama. Yeah, I'm going to try. All right, buddy. We appreciate it, and uh, stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from a few more of this week's sponsors. BoatersList.com. BoatersList is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. BoatersList makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats, and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. And brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well-stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, Fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. And by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt. Go fish. Get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by the Hunting Exchange. All right, guys. Welcome back to the show. Hey, what a great show today, man. Two incredibly good segments of, man, different perspectives. One, you know, is at the top of his game right now with Major League Fishing. Just coming off an incredible win. And Nick is, man, he was a uh, tremendous guest and you be guys just be sure to, to follow him and keep supporting him and and man we just wish him all the luck in the world moving forward and man segment two i mean that didn't let us down at all with garrett either i mean garrett's such a uh, 
Such an awesome guy to have on. We've been trying to get him on for a while. Finally got it to work out, so we're excited to get him on. Look forward to having him on more in the in the future. But, hey, it's a great time of the year to be fishing in Alabama, right? So, man, get out there. Take advantage of the weather. It's, it's getting hot, but it's not too hot to where we can't at least get out there and, and enjoy it a little bit. And uh, we've got some really good episodes and lined up for the next couple of weeks that I hope you guys will tune in for. So, uh, man, as always, wherever you listen to the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, rate, write us a review. And if you'd like us to email you the podcast, we'll do that each and every week. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we will email you the show each and every week thanks guys for listening stay safe out there hey send us an email man message us on our social media on uh, alabama freshwater fish report send us pictures let us know what you're doing out there we want to hear from you and uh hey i may even call you and say ask if you want to be on the podcast soon so we appreciate all you listeners and i look forward to talking to you again next time this week's alabama freshwater fishing report was brought to you by mb ranch king hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the usa we also offer high quality easy to use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. Photonist Defense, masters of darkness. And also brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. And brought to you by Fish Bites. Ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs as well as motor sales and services and now they have a pro level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by The Hunting Exchange. Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today.